How do you pick a real estate agent? Yes, so that could be a couple of different things. Agents are now probably better educated as well as to what properties are going to sell for. Talking about it over coffee when we used to just catch up for coffee and not record it. You talk about it in a way that's accessible and easy to listen. If you've if you've been in your career for a short while, how do you take yourself to the next level? Yeah, um, it was Start really a podcast. Good. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, epic this week on the property part. <laughs> Well, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, our second episode for 2020. Must say I had a heaps of fun doing the first one last week. It kind of felt like once we left, uh, you know, when you go on like a break over the footy season and you come back and you think, oh, I'm going to be pretty rusty. This is going to be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Slipped straight back into it. Felt good. Felt great. We've just, we've leveled up. We've leveled up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Straight up leveled up. Yep. No, I enjoyed last week. It was good. It was good fun. Yeah, man. Same. I'd love to say I listened to it, but I didn't get around <laughs> to it this week. So a double dose this week when you launch today. All right, that sounds good to me. Well, the, now you were saying you've been struggling to get into second gear all week, mate. Bad yeah, sleeper. we we went away on the weekend to a wedding. I had this amazing wedding up in Boat Harbour. One of my partner's cousins had this beautiful beach wedding. It was actually the arch that they got married under was driftwood that their uncle from South Africa or something like that is this sculptor. He sculpted in like two hours this beautiful arch with all just this found material, Yeah, put it all together. And then when they were doing the speeches, it was like, oh, and now at the end of this, it'll float away once the tide carries it to another destination. I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Don't you hate talented people? (laughs) I was like, this is the most romantic, cool thing I've ever heard. And if it didn't go as well that day, it doubles as a raft to escape. Well, yeah, true. If it was raining like it is today, then it could have been a perfect survival raft. (laughs) Absolutely. But, yeah, so we had horrible beds at the Airbnb. So Mm. all week I've been trying to get back into gear. I might might be back into gear. We'll see how today goes. Well, it struck me, thinking about what we're sort of intending to talk to today, it's with an Airbnb, if I was ever going to do one, it's thinking about stuff that really matters the most. And I reckon part of a good Airbnb is you'd actually invest in – a good bed for a people. cracking bed, yeah. Because you, you might say, oh, oh the, the couch was a bit stuffed or, you know, the, you know, the kitchen was a bit messy, but like, oh, man, but, oh, had the best night's sleep, which fundamentally is what you want out of your accommodation anyway. Yeah, well, um, it's kind of in the title, bed yeah. and breakfast. Yeah. Like, so it's bed. sort of the, so it's that thing that people are, um, are spending money in all the wrong directions, where if they just gave people some decent linen and a comfy bed, they'd be like, I'll come back, I had a great night's sleep, you know. And that is a cracking layup for yeah. today's topic, spending money in the right areas. So That's right. I think we're going to talk renovation where to spend some money or what to do to prepare your property for either uh, sale or fixing it up for yourself. 414 Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006. With their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property, they have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. All right, so just uh, just on the weekend, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and I ran across an article. Actually, one of my mates, I think you guys might know him as well, he bought a bit of a fixer-upper over in Geelong mm-hmm. and the article basically said he's added 250K value mm-hmm. to his Hernhill home just in since 2018. So basically in a year and a half, he's turned this dump of a place around. So he's a sparky who has really good connections in the – building world he's a really handy guy who um, gets lots of stuff done I was just wondering then if you're not as handy as him or 
you're someone like me who wants to be handy but just doesn't have all the skill sets or all the fancy tools, what things should I focus on when renovating my place to what should I invest in in my property to make sure it's the best? I just want to put it out there. I think you're selling yourself short as I've seen what you've done at your place. And you've done a pretty cracking job. Oh, look, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this because he's clearly added $250,000 to it, the property. I can't say I've done that to mine, but right. what I have done to mine has I'm super happy with and stoked with. I yeah. love how we've turned our house around. And even when I went in to see it for the first time, I had this vision straight away. I was like, I'll take that wall out, I'll do this, I'll make this all happen. And that's essentially what we've done. We've added a few other features here, here and there that we didn't think straight away. Mm. But I don't know if they're the best moves to be making. Like I fix up the kitchen. I've heard that's one thing that you should do. Mm. But how do I make sure I'm not overcapitalizing? Definitely a question a lot of people ask me when I do appraisals. I'm assuming you're probably pretty similar, John. Absolutely, like what yeah. should we do to make yep. more money? Yep. Or should we do this or should we not do this? For me, it's probably every house, I guess, is different. And it depends also on what the market is currently doing at Absolutely. this point in time. Yep. Like. By all means, if you've got no intention of selling, go do everything. Go do the kitchen, go do the bathroom, you know, use the fancier products, not the cheaper sort of run-of-the-mill products like go full ball if you're planning to live there. doesn't yep. really matter what you spend on it because mm. you're not looking to recover that cost. But if you're thinking about selling, you know, in six to 12 months' time and this is sort of just gearing up to get it ready for sale, you probably do need to be a bit more strategic with what things you decide to spend the money on yeah yeah and what are going to make the bigger impact i guess when it comes to the sale aspect yeah and a couple of you know principles to expand on that is conversation that i would have i think we'd mentioned this before is there's sort of three points that you're doing when you're doing renovations or repairs is the first one is you're protecting your value you're enhancing it or then to the point of overcapitalizing. Yeah. So if you're um, if, if you've bought a house and there's a crack in the wall and you've just patched that and painted, well you're not gonna expect that all of a sudden you've added five times the value for repairing that crack. It's just now no now I don't it's know just, how bad's the crack? Well, let's just say I've had somewhere I can get my whole hand. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> we we're talking about hairline cracks okay. where someone would say, Oh, but I I I I fixed that I fixed that patch in the wall. It's like, well, well, yeah, that's great, but it's not gonna add five dollars for the fact that you spent some time. Yeah. Um, but enhancing the value, yeah. Well then if you're thinking if you are changing the paint color to make it more neutral or new carpets etc you know you could expect to see a return on that and then with overcapitalizing um, that might be where you're choosing instead of a, a really good $500 tap fitting you've chosen two and a half thousand dollar tap fitting expecting someone else to pay that same and perhaps then it's going too far so where um, then you mentioned about the market well um, I was having this conversation with a friend he's got a house in Albert Road which is a 1930s 40s brick property that it had like a brick extension at the back of it and is it in its design at the moment there's just like all very very you know separate rooms yep. and and the conversation that we had around it, because he did pay a good, like a, a top dollar for it in the market. So if he was any renovations he's going to do at the moment, they're going to be sunken costs for a, quite a time until the market you know, revisits and then there's more capital gains for him. So the question for him then is, it with the renovations that he wants to do, what's the future market, not only for him, but potentially for down the track as well, because he would like to sell it eventually. One of the things that I said to him last night was, considering the style of the home and it's dead flat, it's big, it's got multiple bedrooms, two bathrooms, entertaining areas, etc. We could imagine that 20, 15 years from now, it's going to be someone um, who's got quite a lot of money that loves the area because there was a house around the corner of Garden Road, so of like $820,000, $200,000 more than he paid for his. Yep. Is it? It's worth him when he does, and he's got the capacity with his skills and his mates to really focus on a premium end renovation. So for him, just 
ripping out a kitchen and putting a quick little IKEA Bunnings kitchen in would They're be my a, favorite. Yeah, but it'd be shout a, out Bunnings if you're listening. Exactly, <laughs> but it'd be a huge mistake. So everything here for him has to be calculated that everything in this house is like at a premium end because that's the eventual person that's going to pay that price years down the road. That's sort of framing up for him. Like at the moment, he's going to be probably overcapitalizing the short term, but at the end result for him is going to make a big difference. Just like on that, so if he's putting in this top-end kitchen now, in the 15 years' time that he's planning on selling it sort of thing, just hypothetically, would then – like I'm assuming you're buying a top end thing, so they should survive. Are you saying is it going to date and is it going to be yeah, valued? Exactly, there? yeah. Is it going to be like I I put this awesome kitchen in 20 years ago, but then that would be worth at the time it was, it was phenomenal, but then 20 years from now it's dated. Abs- yeah, you, you know, know absolutely. You can't you can't avoid that. I think in where he's also going to be moving walls and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, it's about redesigning the actual layout of the home yep. to fit a better style. It down the track. I guess like what yeah. I was hoping to get out of today is like mm. where are the places that listeners should look into renovating or what kind of things can add value or boost value yep. without breaking the bank or mm. like is, is it worthwhile putting blinds in or is it not? Oh, if you've got the, you know, bright orange with the corn picture over it or something, I'm thinking Simpsons because I've been watching a lot of it lately, like Marge's <laughs> blind kitchen curtains, then sure, probably should change them out. But, you know... If it's just a, a plain Jane curtain, it probably doesn't make a massive difference. Yeah. Um, anything that's like big and bold and in your face probably does need to be toned back a little bit because we need to be able to not alienate people. And so what you might like might not be what other people like and that's what you have to remember. So some people go really big and bold because their personality is that yep. and that's great for them. But then the next person walks in and they're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and so right. um, I think if you're renovating Versailles, you probably want to stick more to the neutral tones and yeah. the yeah. like more simple things and although and bring it to life with some pictures or a rug or something that adds your personality to make it look saleable but not necessarily alienate. So people can say, oh, that's that's great, but I can take that rug out or that picture won't be there. But, but getting yeah. rid of a purple wall is more of a pain mm. than getting yeah. rid of a purple rug, for yeah. example. And exactly. I, I really think that um, what you're doing at the moment as is probably going to be a really good framework for us to have this discussion. Because So where you're thinking about big renovations where we are moving walls, we're updating bathrooms and kitchens. Um, so that's stuff that, you know, it's going to cost money. And if, if you're not knowing what you're doing, you're going to need to seek professional help. Yep. And then the next grade of, um, which is presentation elements like window furnishings and all that kind of stuff can be periphery right at the end of it because that can be subject to personal taste. And I mean, we've sold properties with no window furnishings before, you know, just because, you know, the windows are big. So mm. And that's why I brought that yeah. up. Like I've gone into properties where I've taken the photos <clears throat> and noticed, oh, there's no window furnishings or there's none of these little things but they still seem to garner top price or it doesn't seem to affect the mm. sale price at the end of the day because it's something that once the people move in the wear that cost yeah whereas yeah. it seems like there's other things that when you go into a house it's like it went into one it's like a 1940s home been in the same family for 70 years oh is this the one with the stove in the bathroom not in the kitchen yeah stove in the bathroom it, oh wow it literally had one of those tiny little um kind of like a wood-fired oven thing that you would have right. seen in like um, depression time. Yeah. it's You just, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have a theory why that one actually sold so well. Yeah. I actually think that there's one or two things that people like. They like it fully renovated, done, dust, move into, all brand new, all looking amazing. 
or they like it 100% original so they can walk in and say, yes, this is my project to make my own home and I'm prepared to pay more for it than a home that's had maybe one bathroom done or has had a little bit in the, yeah. Mm. Because then it's like either I have to rip out all that stuff that's been done. When I've sold homes like that, the ones that seem really plain Jane and all original and you're like, oh, this isn't going to get much interest goes explosive because people walk in and their eyes light up with excitement. You're visioning just stripping the plaster out, like getting it back to its bare bones and yeah. just starting fresh. I guess it's yeah. one of those things as well. It's never been on the market as it's been in the same family since the 40s. Mm. Yeah. It blew me well, away. After taking the photos, I was like, oh, this one's going to like sit on the market forever. I think it came back two days later. It was contract, contract. Oh. Wasn't expecting it. And well, why, one of the – And why John keeps saying that you – John from <laughs> Agent Coover keeps saying <laughs> stick to the photos. <laughs> I'm trying to learn stuff here. (laughs) Run the podcast, try and make sense of it all. I clearly know nothing. (laughs) This is is a conversation that's come up a few times of that era of home, especially it's sort of that baby boomer children when they were born, is that all of a sudden you had families that grew really, really quickly – and they didn't have the financial capacity to be able to go and buy and bigger, a bigger home. So they were doing renovations that might not make sense to now going, why the hell did they do this? Was, look, they had to because they needed to find a way of being able to get the family and make the house functional yep. on a smaller budget. So like a lot of those, that, um, that era of homes have renovations that were done probably at the cheap at the time and just to, to make do, not really thinking, oh, I'm going to have to sell this at a profit down the road. Yeah, they weren't yep. doing kind of what I was thinking in my head of being like in 15 years' time when my family's bigger and I yep. want to get a bigger house, yep. how can I do it right now? Mm. It was right now we need this fixed, let's go. Yeah. I think the, what you posed something interesting before, Pat, where you said if you're going to be living in it, it's for you – don't worry about your budget, you know. And I think that it's, that's why it's a hard question in the sense that what are, what are you what what are we asking for? You know, are you going to be living in it and you just want to make sure you don't go ridiculous, or are you legitimately wanting to you know flip the prop the property at a profit? In terms of tangibles, that um, I'll go back to your house where one of the first things I think that people do now is they pick up the floor plan and go right, what wall can I remove to make it open plan? Yep. So one of the biggest things I suppose before you're reworking your house is if you are going to do that is really make sure that any of the changes that you make still enable the rooms to have you know a distinct purpose and they don't just disappear into nothing like moving that wall and all of a sudden you had a really good double bedroom you wanted to make the bathroom a bit bigger and now you've got a tiny single bedroom that no one wants anymore yeah so you know don't renovate at the sacrifice of another big feature that is going to ensure that the house is quite saleable so we had one in um, Turnbull Crescent upstairs bloody good street <laughs> it is a good street in the fact <laughs> Uh, still patty stomping ground. So with this house upstairs, there was three bedrooms, but two of them were tiny. Yep. The biggest challenge with this house is that you had a double story. It had a big rumpus underneath, cars, like big driveway, all these elements that uh, made it a good family home. Problem was is the bedrooms were absolutely tiny. So everyone was walking into this place going, the bedrooms are too tiny. What are we going to do with this space? And it took a long time until the couple that came through went, right, we're going to rip out this middle wall and make one giant bedroom upstairs and then so the house started with three bedrooms and they stripped it back to two and then once we got downstairs and they fitted out the wall and then returned it back into a three bedroom again um, and interestingly enough now going back to them six years later all the problems you know if they're considering selling now that they purchased the property with and that were objections for me back in the day are 
all gone. Yeah, yeah. So they're all gone. So now it fits as a perfect family home. They've got three bedrooms, a good sized master. You know, they've got a rumpus. They've got a they've got a little studio. Like everything's been fitted out correctly. Yep. Um, and she's got this insanely cool kitchen because they've eliminated all the objections that they started with. Yeah. So they've kind of come in and reset it to that point of they've future proofed it for when they will get rid of it or when they like they've used it how they wanted. Yep. Now they've future proofed it for the next people to come through and do it. That's right. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at McGregorFN.com. Kind of what I was thinking as well was this idea of removing and adding bedrooms. Is there kind of this algorithm or is this this thing of a two-bedroom house is worth this much, a three-bedroom house is worth this much. If I'm going to renovate, should I be adding a bedroom or should I be taking certain room, like two bathrooms better than one bathroom? Like is there, when you go into an appraiser property, for for example. Well, there's arguments that the more bedrooms and the more bathrooms, the more value. Yes, yeah, so argument. that's what I want. That's, so if I'm like thinking oh, I'm going to put an extension on. But then I think it also – you probably what makes that more value is the sort of buyer pool you're creating. So obviously the more bedrooms, there's not a lot of homes in Tasmania that go past three bedrooms. For some reason, builders build three-bedroom homes. Yep. Apparently nobody needs four or five bedrooms in, in Hobart. Yep. So when you have four or five bedrooms, you do seem to get a little bit better price because there are a lot of people that gravitate towards those homes because they're like, yes, finally a home that's big enough for my family. Yep. But at the same time, our house, we have four bedrooms. We have been considering turning it into a three-bedroom configuration and we've been toying with that exact thing. If we do that, is that going to kill the value on it? Because at the moment, the fourth bedroom's nice. We have family that stay quite often, so it's good to have it. But at the same time, if the bedroom wasn't there, they wouldn't stay. So uh, <laughs> they'd find other solutions. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Is what I'm, um, So we don't need the bedroom. Yep. We have no use for it. But if we take it out, will we lose value if we sell? And that's something that we've sort of been sitting on the fence a little bit with lately. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense because that's a real challenge about what are you redefining that space to be? Like yeah. what purpose is it going to serve? And look, yeah. our fourth bedroom is only got a really small window in it. It's downstairs sort of in the back corner so it doesn't get a lot of natural light. And the yep. one that we're thinking about eliminating is quite large and bright upstairs. Mm. And so the way I look at it is am I turning my four-bedroom home into two and a half bedrooms because people don't see that third bedroom as a bedroom because the window is quite small and it's quite dark and dingy and yeah 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 it's that that's that makes sense it does you don't walk in there feeling feeling you know invited by it or anything it just, yeah it's like a nice little bonus yeah. i did have mm. one of the best sleeps of my life in that room though after we went and saw star wars at that midnight session <laughs> i reckon going to bed at 3am after watching star wars Probably anyone would sleep well, but I was like, oh, it's so dark. Like, I'm never going to wake up in here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he remembered I had two kids and a dog. And then <laughs> sleep like, is not oh, an option. No. <laughs> <laughs> and all we're hearing is upstairs <laughs> as everyone walks around. <laughs> Still slept well. Yeah, it's yeah, like if I point. cut down the three bedrooms in my home, there'd still be three really good side rooms. It's just yep. that the third one is so dark and uninviting. It's a question of whether or not someone walks in and is like, oh, this is the third bedroom. Okay, mm. yeah. Oh, I don't know about this. That's right, yeah. And that's why I'm probably not going to cut down. I'll leave the other one upstairs yep. as a spare yep. because then bedroom becomes the bonus room. Yep. It doesn't have to be a bedroom. It could be a study or a TV room or a movie theatre or yep, yep. you know whatever you want it to be where if I – take out the bright sunny bedroom upstairs even though it is a lot smaller 
then that beca- has to be the bedroom and then people don't have that flexibility on what yep, they can yep, use yep. that space for. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. And so in your house, for example, you've done the classic in that specific design of the L-shaped hallway, you know, land room, kitchen. Yep. You've taken out that, that wall and now you've got this beautiful open space. Yeah, for sure. Know? So you haven't taken away from anything. You've just created what people want now. Yep. It actually made it bigger, it feels. Yeah. Yeah, no, it feels It huge. feels like you've gone from a 130-square-metre house to a 150-square-metre yeah. house just yeah. by the way that you've reconfigured the space. It's yeah. really strange. We we boarded up one door. Old back door used to – to get to the laundry, you had to go out the back door and in another door. So so we just kind of moved a linen clo- closet and went through the laundry. But the day that we blocked up that door – just, it's like doubled the whole room of the house. It was crazy yeah. just from the look of it. it was yep. like, did this room get bigger? And yep. It was so crazy that just this one small used to be an entry exit became just a wall. Yep. And I was like, whoa. Like, and, the, and it's just changed it completely. Yeah. Well, when the renovation that we did recently, this, you know, this is using um, unnecessary space. So just imagine that the, the hallway to our house was just um, a T, turned left and then directly was the, the toilet and then to enter the bedrooms you had that little that second hallway effect, effectively to get into the front. Yep. What we did with that space is we just sealed it off and then moved the doors from the bedrooms to face the main hallway and then in that middle strip we, had, uh, we converted that into an ensuite and then a, a full-size linen cabinet and we hadn't actually lost any space inside the home. We just filled in a spot a space that, that was, was just kind of not completely doing anything. unnecessary. And so that's, you know, a good example then of actually u- utilising unnecessary space. And a lot of the time I think with some older homes where they did have extra um, hallways and but there, uh, there was just underutilised area within that home. Yep. So we didn't have to do an extension to get a bathroom. We just reconfigured with inside. We didn't lose any bedroom space. All we lost was a bit of an un- unnecessary hallway. Yeah, yeah. You know, so fortunately enough then when we – what we've done though is we didn't skimp on the the fixing. So you know something as simple as we're, I mean we're short. I'm five foot seven, so it's not like I'm have to worry. If uh, but what we've done with the shower head is we've put that at two point two meters. So with that, then anyone who's um, like my partner's her, her best mate. He, Simo, he's tall as. So everywhere he goes, he can never get it into a shower there. It just sits on him. Yep. So in both, when we did the updates, we made sure that the shower heads were above that, well above the average height okay. to make sure that he's going to walk in and go, oh, this bath's perfect for me. Yep. You know? And then when you're in there, John, it's like, let it rain. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> So, um, but a lot of the time when people are doing even bathroom renovations, they uh, will just do, oh, this is where it's standard height, not thinking, well, why don't you just put it up another 30 centimetres? It doesn't make any difference. Buy a, a it does. The water gets cold by the time it hits you, John. Well, it's from being hot to cold. Turn it up. <laughs> that, look, one thing I did yeah. say before we finish this up, one thing I did say when I was looking up stuff about renovations is turning your house green, so kind of making it more sustainable in the future See? and – kind of solar panels and things like that are mm. things that you could consider so that it's um, more sellable in the future sort of thing. So I'm, I might have a perfect guest for that. I'll reach out to him. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk to someone about solar panels because I'm yeah. against them. So Well, one of the things that um, – so Paul Clairwright, his name is, he does – he's a building inspector. Um, he specialises in updating old homes to be retrofitted to be as green as possible. Yep. Ooh, so that would be an awesome guest. One of the comments that he made about Australian homes versus European homes and they're not really designed and built very well to be green sustainable in yep. a lot of respects, you know. But in Europe, where the extremes of weather is much greater in a lot of ways, that you go from you know quite hot to extreme cold, yep. um, they that had to be sort thought through a lot better to ensure that you're not going to lose so much heat all the time, you know. And so that was sort of a, he's brought a lot of those 
you know, thoughts and yeah. stuff through into Australia. And that's sort of something that he specialised in. I hope I can get him on. Yeah, can um, you talk to him? Because I'd love yeah. to. Because yeah. Yeah. a big thing for me with solar panels is a lot of homes don't have roofs that face the right way to capture Absolutely. the sun. Yeah, yeah. And two, in Tassie especially, we have a lot of cloud cover and I've heard that that can affect how much power you can generate if you're not getting direct sun onto it's, the panels. It's kind of like, yeah, it seems well good in theory, like put some solar panels on your roof, but if it's not facing the right way, it's like there's absolutely no... no and problem. then the third thing that frustrates me a lot is when you see those like true solar companies and all these companies advertise these amazing packages they're advertising yep. something that's not going to generate anywhere near enough power to justify installing it so it might yep. seem cheap and amazing yeah i'll put this on but then you just whinge and complain because it does nothing because you actually haven't bought the right package for the size of your home you just made me think of analogy we uh bought um mum had bought one of those original honda hybrids i can't remember what the you know what model yeah, it was at the time they were called, but yeah. it was like 42 grand purchase and sold it for like nine or 12 grand like they just like, it's like way, way more than any other car. And it makes me think if, if we're looking at doing renovations or you think, oh, if I had a solar panel to this house, I've just put $15,000 package on. If, if it's not an effective one at all, that's just going to be sunken cost. Well, it's mm-hmm. funny you talk about cars. I know we're getting off topic, but I was talking to someone that works in one of the larger car dealerships here in Hobart over mm. the Christmas New Year. And I was telling him that I was looking to change over to the electric cars. Yep. And he said that the moment, because of the what's involved to create the batteries, we're actually better off having a petrol car to save the environment because the actual the generation and the power and energy they use to create these big batteries that go into these cars, mm. the carbon that is put out to make the car to begin with is far greater than the carbon you'd use in yeah. the petrol over the lifespan of the car. Wow. It's, <laughs> that's that's full So he said that – and he his job is to sell these electric cars and he's like, I personally have done the research and I think it's better in Hobart and to Australia especially to mm. have a petrol car than it is – in Europe he said I could probably justify it. Yeah, yeah. But – because of We're the long distances there, yeah. and where we are with the ability to create power and that, he says, it's just not worth it. That's unreal. Isn't it? <laughs> that, I'd love to have an episode on that as well. Yeah, that yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'd have to like mask his voice and yeah. <laughs> we don't have to put a black face over him because he's <laughs> on the radio, not on TV. You'd have to like, you know, <laughs> shade really? out his face. <laughs> I'm sure we could put like a voice thing on like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> just just get him to speak in the uncle tone like you did before. <laughs> good eye, boys. Have a good day. Anyway, getting off topic, yeah. I just thought it was interesting that you mentioned electric yeah. cars. Well, I mean, to get back where we were about, I mean, we've sort of, I know we've touched around the idea of like things to look out for if you are moving walls, et cetera, and redefining purposes of a house. Uh, you know, it'd be worth then going into if how much can you do before you have to engage a professional? You know, what, what can you start to look at doing? And I mean, a classic one that if you can is you know, do some painting yourself. And I mean, I don't mean that to insult professional painters because inevitably they always do a better job, but that's one where you can, you know, with without without cutting through wires and killing yourself, you can make a mess by, you know, tipping over a paint bucket, but, you know, it's something you can try and have a crack at yourself. And that's usually a classic one that people do. Yeah. The only then quid pro quo to that is a one of my, a dear friend of mine, she uh, actually um, bought a unit that I owned many, many years ago and she painted the house purple. Um, and then she wanted us to have it as an investment property, and we had we had absolutely had such a hard time finding tenants for it because uh, she didn't want to change the colours. Yeah, and it, I kept reminding her, kept reminding her, kept reminding her. She's like, no, 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 I love it. And then I came up with a thought, and I thought, it said, I love this unit, and I love the colours. I love the purple, and I love the silver curtains because I know it's you. When I walk in here, I it reminds me of you, and I love it for that. Unfortunately, you don't live here anymore. So people can't connect with this, can't connect with you and your identity and these colours. So in, to, in order to find the tenant to get someone for it, we need to remove you out of it. 
Oh, I like that. Yeah. <sighs> and he finished with a big cuddle at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, see, so, so sometimes it's better saying the colour shit, mate. You know? <laughs> but it's, it's a really important thing to remember because the more you create the house with your personal identity that people can't connect with, well, then the harder they, the harder it's going to be down the road for them to be able to connect with it and buy into. Yep. Um, and I think that's something like Adam from Shift said when he was in, he was kind of the moment you decide to sell, you need to depersonalise it and be like, this isn't mine anymore. Absolutely. I might be still using it as accommodation, but I have to take yep. away all my sentimental value Yep. and it's gone. Yep. And I think that's something that sounds similar to what you're saying. Yep. I guess my brain set when I've been renovating has been I want to make this comfortable and good for us and my family as we're growing, but also want to, I don't want to be painting again. If I'm going to paint now, I don't want to paint in 15 years' time because I've put a purple wall in. That's it, yeah. And the silver blinds. I want to be doing the right stuff now yep. so that in the future, I guess I'm investing in my time. Yeah, so I want cool. to do that again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I know when we did our renovations recently um, – I, I, I spoke with my builder first and then he gave me advice and then I did a lot of the demolition work myself. So fun. You know, and because I, I know nothing. But, so fun. Yeah, isn't it? But actually, I had one of those um, nearly really hurt myself badly. Uh, like I dodged a bullet, but I was on the is it, is it reciprocating saw, is yeah. it? Yeah. Where you cut through the nail. So I was um, gunning through it. No trouble whatsoever. Like a knife through butter. Yeah, and then I was on um, I was on the um, the step ladder and it must be, it was just one where there was like two nails right, ne- you know, underneath each other um, and I'd been cutting through no problem and then it went, and then I've pulled of course the saw out and then I didn't see the, the other nail underneath it and of course it's hit the uh, hit that saw it's just you know hit me sideways and like a cartoon the step ladder's fallen down I've, I haven't fallen yet but I've done a 90 degree turn and then I've gone <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a bruise <laughs> you know. those those saws are dangerous I went straight through a pipe with one and got splashed in the face with water <laughs> and then <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think. Um, so I think we've established we're not experts. <laughs> don't listen to anything. Have you no, heard no. In the so last that, I, I stay away from those moment. typical sores. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're. Um, but my point is on that is I knew for a fact that all the work that we had to do we couldn't do. So, but what it, what we could do though is mitigate the amount of time that the builder's there, get, getting advice for him before we started anything. So, uh, how we did it is, you know, he got engaged in first, then did the demolition work, yep. um, and then once the, some things established, like um, we were able to do other, other little bits around that. It, normally, he might send one of his um, apprentices to do. Um, he showed me quick technique, and then he went on, and then we did the work, and he came back a couple of days later. So yep. that's a cool, that's a good little way for someone like me specifically, because um, and we didn't um, everything we've done. You know, we had. You know, big tiles it's all done to a really high standard finished by professionals and then but we did little bits that we could after they showed us what to do and how to do it that sounds like really good advice in the sense that if you can build a good relationship with a builder or someone that you know that is a professional Mm. getting those bits to be like do this do that do that yeah on that sense could someone get a real estate agent in to come in and just say like like could you guys go into appraiser property and be like are you guys thinking of taking a wall out? Like, would you give advice like that, or is that not something you'd do? I don't. Um, I'll. I am always nervous, I guess, to tell someone to do something and then it doesn't result in an in, in the result in, in, what, yeah, in the good outcome at the end. Yeah. Do you want to cancel um, that bit altogether? No, I don't. That's a good question. No. Um, so for me, like people ask me, should we do this? Should we do that? Mm. Um, and it comes down to the property and the person 
themselves. Like, um, do I think that um, the area that the home's in is, is going to add the value to it? How confident I am? Like, if you ask me to do two or three things in Moona to increase the value, I'd probably tell you to go do it because it's going to work every single time. Yeah. If you ask me to do these things in, say, I don't know, Claremont, for instance, a little bit further out, it's still performing well but not on fire. Yeah. Um, I'd probably question it whether or not you spending, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars on a Reno is going to net you, you know, thirty or forty thousand in return. Yeah. So then I start to question. Well, yeah, you could do it, and it would make the home sell faster but I don't know if it's going to add you profit. You might recover the cost that you spent in doing the project, Yes. but all you're probably really going to achieve is maybe a quicker days on market. And at the moment, since everything sells fast, it's probably not justifiable for a lot of people to put that effort in. Yeah. So I guess that's where I am. Um, every home is different and yep. it's assessing that home when you're at the property. Uh, but nine times out of ten in this market we're in at the moment, I sort of suggest to people it's probably not a necessity to do those things. That's a really good point. And it's it, it's so subjective. One of the things that we can do though is if someone if someone says, if I add this extra bedroom, what's the how much extra value is that going to add? And then we can just really sort of play the, you know, the, the future things like, well, okay, let's let's reappraise this house if it was a four bedroom. Um, and then you, then you start to you're using different comparable sales within the area. Yeah. Um, and it might be that let's just let's just use a, a theoretical story here, where you've got this three bedroom house in Claremont. They're going to extend like physically build an extension to it, and they're wanting to then make a profit out of that. We might then the calculation of that. Co- let's just say the house is worth three fifty now. Um, the extension is going to cost. 50 grand yeah and then we and then we do some comparable sales and we find out well the other four bedroom houses in claremont are selling for about 380 so you might be spending an extra 50 grand for this bedroom but it's not proving itself in the market yeah so yep. then you might then we could give advice to say um well potentially if we added that extra, extra bedroom the market's suggesting that you're going to get you know it's worth about thirty thousand dollars that's probably the best i think you could really do without overstepping i think that's the first story where you actually haven't had a past Experience to specific example, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you, you're always like, oh, I remember this, this one, one time, time in yeah. mysteries. <laughs> well, <laughs> like that. But we've, I mean, we, um, we, we did, it. yeah. So that's but, <laughs> he was about to go to one. Uh, uh, he well, was about to go to one. Yeah, yeah. Well, more, more so that we had, we did, we did have a house that the, the, the I think this would have been about 2014. So it was a really hard time in the market. Um, it was on the Brooker Highway, and the guy always he, an easy place to sell. Oh, anyway. <laughs> He wanted 250 for it and it wasn't there. The house was a 220, 230 home at the time. Um, so we tested the market anyway. It was unsuccessful. Um, and then he did this huge renovation, like completely refitted out the place, spent a heck of a lot of money on it. Yep. Um, and then he wanted like 350 and it wasn't there. Like, And it ended up selling for about 310, I think it was. So um, that was sort of one where in his specific situation, it would have been far better off for him just to release the property at the market versus spending all this money and time and then just getting dollar for dollar back for it. Yeah. Um, because opportunities were there. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have a, a specific story with an extended bathroom. But, <laughs> but again, you, you ask like, what can an agent realistically do? And the problem is, you know, Pat's bang on. Like, we've got to be really careful that we don't give people false hopes. Yeah. Um, so that's the best we can do is play in that sort of yeah. space. And I feel confident because I do a lot of work with builders and I have family that are builders, so I know what things cost and that's I know right. the, the jobs involved. But I still don't get brave enough to go too deep into pushing people down a certain path. Like Absolutely, yeah. Because yep. it, it is a dangerous space to play in. Um, yeah. But – I am here. I'm always happy to come out and have a look at someone's home. And, mm. and I guess that's where my question was trying to lead yeah. was mm. if I wanted to 
say, I'm not ready to sell yet, but oh. can you just come and have a look? Yeah. Is that yep. something you guys could do? Of course, yeah, and definitely. Yes, it is. And so that's the, the, the I suppose for us, um, that's what I always ask, you know, what is, we'll just use your example, Aaron, you're like, you know, what is your specific goal? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you might say, look, um, and we're, we're actually having this discussion with a client at the moment in a, in a unit in West Hobart where um, she's got a, an X figure in mind um, and we're thinking, is it going to be required for us to repaint, recarpet because the, now it's tired, you know, it's uh, the tenants have been, it's been an investment for 10 years. Yeah. <clears throat> And we're really getting serious about okay, um, we've we've actually had a registered valuation done on it. Um, it looks like all the all the numbers that we're looking at are probably going to confirm to actually hit the you know the goal that she wants. Um, and at this point, I it's it's leading towards the point where, outside of like you said, Pat, making it a bit more saleable in the sense that it's going to be less to spend less time on market. Um, it do, the the actual investment on and because it's like multi-story, like the, the painting and the works all awkward, so it's going to add additional costs. It's not just a flat house. Yep. Um, our advice at this point probably going to be that look, we actually don't. We just um, price the you know have the uh, the unit priced aggressively, and by aggressively I mean competitively, so that we do get it shows fair value, um, and then and then allow people the capacity to be able to purchase it where they can put that money in and get it back. Um, because in this case, if she spends the twenty twenty five thousand dollars because it's awkward, it's probably not going to actually return what she needs based on her specific goal. All right. So I guess to round up, every house is different, every situation is different, <laughs> and we've covered nothing. So yeah, great yeah. Oh, guys. That's, that's what you sort of need. Like you walk through a story. When at the end of it, I was thinking the same. Is it when you really needed to go through like this house happened and we ended up here? You know. <laughs> no, look, it's fine. Look, I was something I was interested in and wanted to find out. Like I. Yeah clearly I'm in the middle of this and we're kind of getting towards the end of it with the renovations and yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing it but I just wanted to kind of know am I doing it right I'm doing it wrong I saw this article about my mate who's mm. added all this value to his place and it's pretty damn well, impressive something that strikes me about his story is it had been a, a an area like Pat said where by doing it um, the market's prepared to bear those additional yeah. costs and will pay a premium for it but not all suburbs enable that. Which actually I did a bit of research against. I'd love to do like kind of a neighbourhood versus property discussion on another episode, kind of discussing what's more important when looking into something, the specific property or should you look into the neighbourhood mm. and as a whole. Oh, okay. Um, yep, yep. Let's pin that for now. I think we've um, spoken enough today. Yeah, yeah. And um, we'll come back to it. There's always next week on the property pod. There's always next week on the property pod. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Sounds good. All right. See ya. (laughs) Catch us. You have been listening to The Property Pod, produced and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Real Estate and McGregor First National Propriety Limited. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek them use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this 